Hello, Sarah. Hi, Kim. How's it going? It's going really well. How about for you? It's, go- it's busy, and I feel like it's been a while since we have had a podcast and a guest, and we're we're getting it together. Many schedules had to, the stars had to align for this episode to happen. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what happens when we all get busy, isn't it? Yes, but it is. <laughs> we're very excited about our guest. David Levi is joining us, and he is a local entrepreneur, inventor, doing some really cool stuff and is interested in getting it into the education space. So we're really excited to learn what you're doing, David. Yes. Hello. Nice to be here as the stars are going to align and also the electric fields are going to combine. So uh, (laughs) we're going to be talking about that today. That's that's what I meant to say. I was just (laughs) waiting to make sure you caught it. That was it. (laughs) So before we dive right in, David, could you just tell us a little brief biography of yourself? I'm going to start with my middle school math teacher who taught me- All bios do. That's the correct place to start. Yeah. (laughs) Taught me a little bit of Morse code, got my amateur radio license, but the most fun thing we did was uh, actually build circuits from scratch, like with little kits. And I made little stoplights and little amplifiers and such. So- even in middle school, I knew I wanted to do something with electronics, kept inventing different little things, made some crazy electronic musical instruments, got involved in entrepreneurship when I was in college studying for electrical engineering, ended up in the toy industry for a few years working at Hasbro and Mattel, got laid off right in the beginning of 2020, which was the perfect time to uh, start my own thing. And uh, now I have a company making different like miniature kid fun-sized versions of electronic instruments to just combine like creativity and music with putting a circuit together and learning some STEM concepts that way. I love that this origin story goes back to a middle school teacher that brought circuits. So was that your first kind of experience with technology and working with electricity and like I don't know, maybe this is a bad pun, but did an LED just turn on in your brain? Like you just knew that was what you wanted to do? Well, the real thing was when the LED didn't turn on. And then, because, <laughs> you know, like with, with homework and stuff, it's like, oh, you you go and you calculate the things and maybe you make a few mistakes, but you can like turn in the assignment and then it's done and you don't have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. that was my first experience of, oh, I'm actually making something and either it works or it doesn't. And I remember... I was what, like seventh grade. So I was like 12 or something. So I'm like, oh, obviously the chip is broken. And the math teacher's like, no, the chip isn't broken. Go and look at this and this solder joint again. So that's like first, you know, actual experience with troubleshooting. And just like, I think the the word is resilience of just like, oh, just keep trying things and it'll work. And you don't know how long it will take, but you can actually make a thing in the world that does a function other than just like doing your math homework on a piece of paper. Yeah, that's what, that's what we love, right? Is that you're learning to make something happen in the world that you, you know, you made it happen, not something else that I guess using versus um, creating, right? Yeah, it's both, you both get the credit when it works and when it doesn't work, you know, you can't just blame the chip and walk away. It's my favorite quote from The Office where Michael Scott says, frankly, I would like all of the credit and none of the blame. I use that an alarming amount in my real life. But just, you know, you could have done a worksheet about circuits. You could have watched your teacher complete the circuit, but it sounds like something about this experience, getting your hands on it, making it yourself, 
figuring out that you were doing it wrong. It, it sounds like that just flipped a switch in your brain. Yeah, because once you realize you can make something, then you can just buy another kit. And instead of following the instructions exactly, uh, one thing I did in high school was I had like a circuit that could like create square waves or sine waves, you know, by by filtering a oscillator. So I was like, what if I put stick my own voice into the input here and use it as a filter? So that was one of my first like open-ended experiments where I was like going off the instructions, but just having that kit to start with too was a really good place to start. And speaking of kits, your company oh. is called Micro Kits. Yes, we should. Wanna, we we should definitely tell mention us that. some of your about some of your inventions. Uh, yeah. So, and this goes back to my experience learning electronics for the first time too. I built my first theremin from a kit when I was maybe like 15 years old. I like found out about the theremin. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this instrument? And for those of you who don't know, you uh will definitely want to like look this up on YouTube after because you're not going to believe that it's real. It's an antenna. You move your hands near it. And as you move your hands near it, it just changes the pitch and the frequency. And you can wave your hands in a certain way to like play melodies and stuff. But it doesn't seem real. You know, you watch this like video and you're like, this isn't real. This is just someone added this sound in post. But it is real. So I created a miniature version with that like anyone can build. So like people actually have hands-on experience with a theremin and can actually see like, oh, the world actually is made up of electric fields and you can manipulate them. Things don't just work just because they're connected to a computer, which will figure it out. Like there's actual physics in circuits. Uh, the first theremin I built in high school, it cost me like $70. And then that just gave me a circuit board. And then I had to like go and figure out how to buy all the parts myself. Like it didn't come as a kit. It just came as a circuit board. Oh. And then I put it together and then it was like a one pitch antenna it didn't have the two antennas so you couldn't like jump between notes you just go wee, wee. and also it was like really hard to tune yeah so i created a little breadboard kit so you don't have to solder i pre-programmed a little computer chip onto it so like calibrate itself but it has a real oscillator a real uh, resistor capacitor circuit to uh, detect electric fields in the environment. And if I turn it on now, let's see if I can hold it up close to the antenna. Three, two, one. That's pitch. And that's volume. And uh, yeah, definitely like check out a video of it working because I'm just waving my hands near an antenna, just a piece of wire. And from that, I'm able to manipulate these sounds. Will you find your favorite theremin video and share it with us so we can link it as a resource? Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. Because I, I agree. I have a very nerdy husband who like came home one day and was like, I found the coolest musical instrument I've ever seen. You're never going to believe this and pulled up like a theremin YouTube video. I was like, how did you find this? And it is, it is an instrument that's like half magic, half alien. And it looks like something that would be played at Hogwarts. Like, it is so cool. Yeah, but the funny thing is, it's like one of the first electronic musical instruments. There was like one guy who was like playing the organ over a telephone line. And like, you know, instead of subscribing to someone on Shopify, you would actually like tap into this wire in the city to like get music into your restaurant or whatever. But this theremin was one of the first electronic musical instruments because it's just 
an oscillator that's very sensitive and you can just detune it just by having your hands near it. So it's definitely a really cool demonstration of physics. So from one of the oldest electronic musical instruments ever to what feels very modern, can you tell us about the synthesis? Yes. So this is what I had the chance to design because my theremin was turns out to be a success. Uh, so that gave me time to design the synthesis, which imagine a little green circuit board with golden piano keys that you can touch to play the notes. And it's the size of a cassette. So that way I can just put it in a cassette case and it can safely travel to where it needs to go. But if I turn it on here, There we go. It's both a little analog synthesizer. Uh, you can look at the back and see all the circuitry and it's real circuitry. Everything's happening just from this circuit that I designed. It's both that and it's a way to create your own keyboard out of things that are conductive, you know, like so bananas or forks or like your friends. I was developing this and then I, I think I was like did like a makey makey activity with you guys when you yeah and then it made me realize wait if i just add these holes to these touchpads then this this synthesizer can also be kind of a version of the makey makey where you don't need to plug it into a chromebook and then get distracted because it's a computer this way it makes it super clear that it's all working just because it's a circuit board not because oh it's connected to a computer so of course the computer will figure it out so you can actually just see the individual resistors and capacitors I love that so much. And I feel part of the story because you did come to a workshop where you saw the Makey Makeys that we were doing. And so I love that you had this invention and you were open to new ideas. You didn't be like, oh, that's done, put it aside. Uh, but you were like, oh, I could make it even better. And that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a small business and uh, I don't have like a ton of resources to go out and find exactly what people want. So if I can create a product that can go in a bunch of different directions, then uh, I have more chances to uh, make a good product. Listeners, to give you a peek behind the scenes, this is actually the third time we have tried this interview because as we were attempting to meet with David for the first time, he went viral and was like, running around shipping all of the product and trying to keep up with demand. And so David, can you tell us a little bit about what happened and what it's like to go viral? <laughs> well, what's funny is I've been like so busy that I haven't like had time to like process it. Oh, like, whoa, I'm my product's famous now. Yeah, it was like two months ago that I was like, so excited, like, oh, this video got 20,000 views. That's so cool. But now it's like, oh, this other one got 10 million views. Okay. <laughs> I'll um, jump, you know. <laughs> so it's so it's like Instagram views, it's TikTok views. So it's not the same as like someone watching a ten minute YouTube video. Mm -hmm. But people like to watch little melodies be played with cool little instruments, um, especially on like TikTok because it's so musical. So I just sent a few to some musicians, and they're just creating new things with it. And it's like, wow, okay. So that means that I'm more confident with my next product which is definitely going to be musical. It's going to be like a different way to like create melodies without a ton of like switches and knobs and connectors and stuff. So it's going to be like a more streamlined way to play different melodies and different arrangements. So that's all I can say right now. 
the idea might change a little bit more because I'm still developing it. I think we can say safely it's going to be really cool because we got a little, little teeny preview and and then based on your previous successes, I think uh, oh, yeah. it's going to be a really cool thing. So obviously these are a lot about investigating, trying things out and play really. And just wondering if you could talk a little about about why you think it's so important for kids to have the opportunity to explore STEM through play and toys. I would say like one of my personal skills is just like combining the engineering with like the marketing or the people or the the story side of it. And that's like definitely an important skill. And what, what century is this? The 21st century, you know, you need to not just be able to build something according to a spec. You have to like understand the context it's in and like, you know, especially if you're going to like design a website or an app or some sort of machine, you have to like have the perspective of the user. And that takes a lot of creativity and just finding different directions you can take for a product. And also, if you don't end up as a technical person, it's still good to have some technical skills. So my hope is that by creating something that's like musical, you know, I can trick both the technical kids into learning a little bit about music and I can trick the creative kids into learning some technical skills just so that there's more connections going on because all that creativity really is, is it's just like you get two different concepts and you find ways to connect them and just make a new connection that way. But it's all just about putting together like unexpected combinations. And then that's where new ideas come from. It's all about tricking people into, into trying yes. things they haven't tried before. Like that's, you got tricked as a fifth grader into playing with a light. You were like, I'm just going to go to school today. Do, do, do. What? Yeah. I'm an electrical engineer. Like yeah, that's- you- you That's find out about happened. you find out about the theremin. You're like, "What the heck is this?" Hey, let me get one. And then you're like, "Oh wait, it's a kit. I have to like put a circuit together." And mm-hmm. now you're like, "Oh, I can tell the difference between a capacitor and a resistor. Oh, I know how to like put things together on a breadboard. Oh, I sh- I should go and like get an Arduino and do the whole the whole process now. You know. So my theremin kit is definitely like designed to be like your first step into like building a circuit before you have to like learn to solder and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was just at a a conference on Friday where they were talking about, you know, a way to motivate students is through projects that they're passionate about. And then students will figure out what they need to learn when they need to learn it. Like you don't have to, you know, guide them necessarily all the way along because if they're passionate about something, they're going to be like, I got to figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. And that's definitely something I try to do with my kids too, is have like a clear like end in mind. I remember I got one of those like 101 electronic kits from Radio Shack as a kid where you can like go and like connect these knobs and switches to a breadboard in all sorts of ways. But I like bounced off it because it's like I did a few and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to do more permutations of turn a switch on or turn a knob to change the light. So that like the end result wasn't that interesting to me. So I try and like create things where it's like I'm actually motivated to go and figure out how to create this because I can visualize what the final thing is partially, but also like, it's not so obvious that I can't just imagine it in my own mind. Isn't it amazing how kids can sniff out when it's not an authentic learning experience? Like I, I remember as a kid, you know, if a teacher said, you need to solve this problem, I'd be like, no, I don't. This is a fake problem. This is not a real thing. Like that stuffed dog is not going to know if I didn't solve this versus a real problem, like this won't turn on and you've got to figure out how to fix it. It it really feels like 
kids can tell and they, they're people, they want to solve real problems. Yeah. Yeah. And make real things. Make real things. Yeah. And then in terms of troubleshooting, one thing I did, and this is like, please everyone like copy this. This is like a good idea that I stumbled upon while I was designing my theremin kit. I break it up into different like steps. So because I program the chip, the like little microchip that takes in the uh, information from the oscillator, I'm able to break things up into steps where first you just connect the chip, you connect the LED, you make sure everything powers on, you check your work then, and then you attach the speaker and then it will just like play a default tone without changing. And then like, okay, I know the speaker is working. And then you add the actual oscillator. So now the pitch antenna works and then you add the volume knob and now you can test the, uh, if the volume's working. So I broke it up in these small steps so that when things don't work and actually like, hopefully they don't work. So like you actually learn a little bit about troubleshooting, then you can actually go through and be like, okay, is this connected, this connected, this connected without it being like 30 parts to check. If it's just like five parts and that makes it a lot more bearable because yeah, I want people to get a little, just a little bit frustrated and have to figure out like, oh, I put the transistor in backwards. Oh, now I see. And then every once in a while, they're like super stuck. And then they send me a photo and then I like can immediately mm -hmm. see that one of the wires is off by one row because I've like had this circuit like etched into my eyes. But yeah, definitely like breaking it up into like small bite sized testing things where like each like little build is like five minutes. And then like, you're like, all right, LED is on a little bit of success. Now I know that these parts are placed correctly. That's mm -hmm. a very good thing to do. Yeah. And I'm so glad you did that. And I think one of the things that impressed me once I saw the packaging that you do and the instruction that you do, like they are very well constructed and um, you know, what you're talking about is scaffolding and, you know, helping students or whoever's building it, like you said, have these little moments of success along the way as they're learning and making troubleshooting, not like overwhelming. Cause yeah, you don't want to put like all 30 components on there and then test it and wonder what happened. So I think that leads me into my next question because you're definitely interested in educators getting exposure to your tools, your kits, and you are going to VISTI, the Virginia Society for Technology and Education in December. And I'm just wondering uh, if you thought about what is your, what's going to be your pitch to educators to adopt a STEM kit like yours? My Theremin kit, it's great as the first intro building a circuit from scratch, you know, so as you transition from, you know, making something conductive to like making LED light on a piece of paper to Arduino, there's like a gap there and breadboarding is great to start building without having to learn to solder, but basically every other breadboard kit doesn't actually go and like pre-bend the chips so that they go correctly in. And I don't know anyone else who has like their own wire machine to bend the wires so that they fit like directly into the breadboard. So I made it a little bit like a Lego system where it's hard to mess up too much because the parts just won't fit in the wrong direction. So things are pre-bent. So that's really great as your first circuit that you build from scratch. And then my synthesizer, I mean, I can just say it's like the makey makey, but you don't need to bring all the Chromebooks out. And then it's like more obvious, like, oh, the circuit is working because it's a circuit. It's not just, oh, I connected it by USB. So now it has to work. Yeah, I think that's great. And just, I have to say, speaking of your, what what is it called? The wire bender? Wire 
stripping and forming machine. Oh, that. Yes. So I, when when Sarah and I were, were were visiting you, I you know I took some pictures and uh, then I shared it with Eric, my colleague, who is also very interested in this stuff. And he noticed right away. He's like, "Is that one of those?" <laughs> so that must be a special special machine. He was very jealous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a certain type of people and me and him are probably the same type of person like to watch wire forming machine videos on YouTube. <laughs> Definitely a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to get my wires just the right way. And, you know, it's hard to like ask some Chinese factory, like, hey, can you make it exactly like this? And then mm -hmm. put it in the breadboard and make sure it's good and not change it over time. How exciting and I don't know, a challenging, was it to set up your own space with all the stuff you needed? Like how, Oh how yeah, because it's like a wonderland. It's like a fabrication <laughs> Willy Wonka. It's, it's incredible. Oh gosh. I mean, it's, I'm like three years into overnight success pretty much. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> there I we started, go. so I started the company early 2020, but really I like started working on the theremin kit like in 2016 and sold a few in early 2017. So it's like three years overall. Yeah, just like setting up industrial machines always takes a lot longer than you think. Cause like you get them and they almost work, but then like they keep jamming. And then you're like, oh, what if I like make this own little fixture to keep it from jamming? And then you're like, oh, I need to add a switch that I can like hot wire in so that like it can detect when the wire's out. So it'll like stop itself. And then you're like, oh, how do I get a pneumatic line from the downstairs closet to the upstairs and then you realize that there's like a crack in the floor and you're like all right we'll just run a pneumatic line there yeah i've been in this space since may but yeah like i've like never have time because i just always feel like i'm like either trying to get the demand up or the supply up or just mm -hmm. like setting things up it still feels like i'm like moving in constantly because it's like oh i gotta like set up this machine or oh now i have to like put together another pc because i'm like about to like hire my first staff person that's kind of crazy yeah so things are constantly changing but i do get to have some machines so that's uh pretty fun and it sounds like i mean to me that's just like your theremin kit experience sort of way exploded right so the skills that you're learning while you're doing that like they're going to be with you for the rest of your life yeah and hopefully i can train someone else how to like run my machines too so that i can uh, go on vacation at some point That'll be the uh, the real fun part. You mean you don't pack your machines when you go on vacation? You're not like, this is for my clothes and this suitcase is for my wire shaper and cutter, like just in well, case I need it. When I moved from California to Virginia, I did bring my one of my wire machines with me. I only had one of them at, at that time, uh, but that was definitely like 20% of the volume that I traveled with was that <laughs> machine. And I had to, uh, I had to make sure that I could like carry it. So I had to like go in and like take out like the, it has like a big inductor in it for like AC to DC conversion. So like I took that out and I like took very careful pictures about how it was wired. So that way I could like actually like carry it out of my car because it's like 60 pounds and that's that's kind of heavy. So. so speaking of how you set things up, what advice would you give to other aspiring inventors and or entrepreneurs? Wow. There's like so many like things that I could say and it yeah. all like kind of depends. I would definitely say like, get things into the hands of customers as quickly as possible. Don't like spend a super amount of time like being like, oh, our logo's perfect. Oh, our website's perfect. In my case, put together a circuit, stick it in a box and like hand it out to people. I had my senior project was like an alarm clock that 
was sort of like a theremin, but like under a mattress. So it could like sense if you were in bed or not. Uh, the idea being that it would like not stop ringing if you didn't get out of bed or it would start ringing again if you got back into bed because I was in college. So all the problems I knew about were college kids problems. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that kind of explains why certain startups seem to be so college focused. But yeah, but I went and just like set up a booth and just handed out like five of them to people who like walked up and they're like, what's all this about? And because of that, I realized that people would just sleep on their couch because they're college students and they didn't want to go to their class. So I realized, oh, maybe I'll go and create something else. There was that. And then the other thing too was like figuring out both the idea and the customer because mm -hmm. I used to be like, oh, I'm going to like build this like the ultimate musical instrument. People are, and like a few people are going to pay so much money for it. And I'm going to like handcraft everything. And I did sell a couple like magnetically controlled cello like instruments, but it didn't really take off until I went into the toy industry, saw how things are in the toy industry. And then I'm like, oh, what if I create miniature musical instruments for like kids and educations and people who like want a theremin on their desk? So I had like the skills and the overall idea, but then like once I actually like found the combination of the idea and the right type of customer to target, then I like actually created a product that people are looking for. In entrepreneurship, we talk a lot about solving a problem that people don't know they have and how you can have the very best solution for a problem. But if nobody else realizes it's a problem or nobody else cares about the problem, it doesn't matter how good your solution is. Even if you want to run up and be like, no, but you need a theremin. You just don't know it. It, it. Just finding the problem that other people also think is a problem and want to solve by buying your product. It's harder than it seems. And it sounds like you've been really smart to pick up the clues and pivot in places to create something that people really enjoy. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, is every time you like increase production, like everything changes. Mm -hmm. The first one you build is very different from figuring out how to build 10 or hundred of them. And then that's very different than like building a thousand. And then you're like, how do I build 10,000? And then you have to tackle all these other problems. So you always feel like you don't know what you're doing as you're scaling up, um, especially in hardware. I think in software, it's like, oh, I'll just buy some more server space. But in hardware, it's just like, oh gosh, like now I have to actually figure out how to make the machines that make the machines. You know, I need to like build enough for it all to be worth it. But to get to that point, I need to figure out how to easily make the thing. So that means I need to go and get a wire machine and spend a month setting that up. And then once you have that set up, then it's like, oh yeah, I can create 30,000 wires in a day, but just getting to that point too. And <laughs> Can I ask my favorite question? You may ask your favorite question. My favorite question. Okay. David, how do you want to change the world? Oh, uh, let's see. I heard, I heard you asked this on the last podcast um, that you did. <laughs> I definitely just want to like have people who don't think that they have experience with electronics, or, like don't think that's for them just to like be like, oh yeah, I built a circuit once. Like I have like a little bit of experience with that. And I just want to every year or so, we'll see how quickly I can go, uh, create another little musical electronic thing just to suck more people into the world of, hey, you can be creative and learn a little bit about circuits at the same time. We it's 100%, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> It's working over here behind me. My snake plant is hooked up to a synthesizer right now because I like to play with it. So consider, consider me hooked. How about you, Kim? Oh yeah. I was just going to say, we, we a hundred percent endorse 
Yes. <laughs> that future. <laughs> we need a stamp. You can stamp yes. once upon a tech approved. <laughs> yes. And I will be at VSTE and I'm don't know exactly what I'm going to get into there, but I'm sure I'm going to have some great conversations and I might even have some products that I can, you know, some samples to some teachers on me. So you can uh, keep an eye out for me. Yeah, we will definitely be uh, letting folks know where we are there and we'll put a lot of uh, links to you and your products so people can, if they hear this podcast and want to learn more, they can find you. Thank you so much for joining us, David. This was, I, I learned a lot. I mean, I always do, but like, I feel like I specifically learned a lot in this episode. Thank you. Yeah, it's great being here. And like, thank goodness you had that makey makey activity experience a year or so ago so that I could change my product at the last minute and make it so much better. Yay. The electric fields were aligned. That's <laughs> They were. And that's what it's all about. Until next time, tech, love, and happiness.